This is On Air with Euphoria. So hello, uh, it's a pleasure to have a short chat about biologics today. Uh, my name is Susanna Lau uh, from Charité University Medicine Children's Hospital. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Markus Maurer, uh, dermatologist and uh, researcher uh, on chronic urticaria uh, from the Allergy Institute uh, uh, in, in Berlin. And we are here on the Euphorium uh, uh, on respiratory disease uh, and, uh, and management and care in type 2 inflammation. And what I would like to ask you, Markus, um, uh, looking at the program of the Euphorium and what we heard today, uh, what would you say is uh, the most important development in the treatment of chronic urticaria during the last 24 months? Thanks, Susanna, for having me on this episode. I'm very happy to be here at the Euphoria meeting. Thank you also for including chronic urticaria in the program, which I think deserves its place as a true type 2 disease, at least in many patients. And we've heard a lot about new biologics, older biologics with new data. I think that for chronic urticaria, it really is the targeted treatment that lets us understand the disease better, find the endotypes and help patients. And the developments that we've seen in clinical trials, but also with off-label use, really paint a very different picture as compared to what we thought urticaria is 10 years ago. We, we now know that omalizumab works. Okay, that's not uh, entirely new, but uh, the, uh, the, the success of dupilumab and in clinical practice also of tezepilumab and uh, in other patients with secokinumab and tildrakizumab uh, is very, very encouraging because we understand that urticaria is a group of diseases and a group of endotypes where some patients have clearly type 2 driven disease and they do respond to type 2 targeted treatments and in other patients it's other drivers that also respond but to different biologics yeah i think maybe in the general population um, everybody knows a bit about asthma also atopic dermatitis as one of the first signs of uh, uh, type 2 driven disease. However, chronic urticaria may be not that common and in the mm. knowledge, uh, why should we really treat hard uh, mm. and early? Uh, some people may not understand, but I think from a patient perspective, the chronic itch is so uh, annoying and, and uh, impairing quality of life that we should really not underestimate the, the burden of the disease. Absolutely. And um, this is a mistake. A common mistake that we need to address. A lot of us have urticaria at one point in their life. Yes. Few of us have chronic urticaria, and this is when it really becomes a problem. And for years at end, you have wheels, hives, itch for years and years and years, every day. No, I sometimes talk about the last mosquito bite that I'm sure you will remember. Why? Because when we have one mosquito bite, there's nothing else we can think about. Now imagine someone who has 100 mosquito bites at the same time or more every day, but not because they're bitten by mosquitoes, just because 
because they come out of the blue. It's absolutely devastating because of the itch, especially at night, uh, that doesn't let people sleep. But also, people don't focus anymore. They become the victims of their disease. They're severely able, uh, disabled in their partnerships, in their work um, uh, environment. In every part of life, this disease ruins everything. And it's not a surprise for us here to cardiologists to see it rank as one of the highest impact diseases, both in allergology as well as in dermatology. And this need to treat, which is high, the burden that we need to address is not recognized in many instances. And this adds to the frustration of patients because they say, well, all I hear is there's nothing we can do about mm. this and I have to live with it. And that's not true. No, we have to let patients know that there is something that can be done and that we know how to treat this disease. Patients deserve the treatment, need the treatment. And yes, we cannot help all patients today because of the limitations in treatments available. But many clinical trials are ongoing. Many promising treatments are being developed and will come to us soon. Yeah. For me as pediatrician, there is this unmet need that uh, the drugs, the biologics, uh, which are licensed, that's mainly omalizumab in, in, uh, for adolescents, uh, it's licensed for severe asthma from mm. age six on, uh, like dopinumab as well. But for chronic urticaria, it's licensed only from 12 years on. And uh, now we have been observing an increasing uh, prevalence or incidence uh, of chronic urticaria also in young children, yes. lasting longer, not only a couple of months yeah. where you can sort of help yourself with uh, antihistamines, yeah. but for longer, for years. Yeah. And this is mm, frightening for parents because they always want to know why is this? Uh, I mean, what is the cause? What is the reason? Can I do anything in, in, uh, in my diet or in the yeah. child's diet? And uh, often we see children with chronic urticaria who are on a diet, yeah. which doesn't, doesn't help, help at all, but they are still keeping the yes. diet because they think it's food allergy. And yeah. I think this has also been, um, well, the word has to be spread really uh, out for among pediatricians in general, that you may have a look at IgE, but uh, in most of the cases you see just the history that this is not inducible, but it's chronic spontaneous uh, Absolutely. I think that's one of the big misconceptions, the myth that we have to bust, that uh, you have this because you have food allergy. You know, this is nonsense. You can have both. You can have chronic spontaneous urticaria and food allergy, but they're sure. not causally related. Chronic spontaneous urticaria and in children and in adults is an autoimmune disease in 80, 90%, two different types true autoimmunity or autoallergy where patients are, for lack of better words, allergic to themselves. And we understand these mechanisms. And we also understand that trying different diets and uh, trying to change the lifestyle in children as in adults has little impact on this. We need to treat. Right. We need to treat until the disease goes away by itself. And we do have treatments that need to be stepped up based on our assessment of disease activity and control. This is best done um, with the help of an app, CRUSE, C-R-U-S-E, the Chronic Urticaria Self-Evaluation app. All my patients use this, and it makes me a much better urticaria treater because I know where they stand. Mm -hmm. I know how they feel. I know how their days were. 
It's a, it's a disease that's vicious because when people sit in my office, they often have no wheels. They often have no angioedema, both of which are transient. But the day before and the evening of that day, they will have hundreds of wheels. And I cannot capture that unless patients share their information with me. And then we can tackle and target the disease. Yeah, very important. Uh, that's also often the problem in uh Uh, and the children that you you don't have a proper recording of all the symptoms. Exactly. Some parents show us photos in order to be sure that it's hives and typical symptoms of urticaria. But I think using of these uh, apps to really have an overview about symptoms and frequency of symptoms helps to also increase uh, or to 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 step up in the therapeutic schemes. Absolutely. So thank you very much. It was thank, very interesting. Thank you, Susanna, for having me. And if you out there, dear listeners, have uh, now found your interest in urticaria, there is another podcast that I want to make you aware of. All Things Urticaria, 75 episodes, features a lot of urticariologists from around the globe. Go and check it out if you want to learn more about urticaria. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. This was brought to you by Euphoria, inspiring the future of respiratory care. This podcast was supported by an unrestricted educational grant from Sanofi Regeneron.